This is Ron Moss from the heart. Um, I was, uh, something happened the other day that I wanted to share. And I want to center it, center it around uh, the discussion of really being different, but still being valued and valuable. Being different, but still being valued and still being valuable. Uh, because I think that that if uh, some of us, if not all of us, who've had some experiences living on planet Earth, that we realize a few things, that we come in all different shapes and sizes. We all share different personalities, and we all have our different ideas of who we are or who we want to be or how we want to be or how we want to live. And, and, and I think what's more important than anything is that for most of us, we're able to interact and get along with each other on a daily basis. In saying that, that would mean that most of us share a common decency, common value with each other, understanding that just because you're different, just because you don't look like me, just because you don't act like me, just because you don't sound like me, you're still valuable to me. You're still important to me. Your life still matters. You still mean something to me. But I had an incident that happened uh, yesterday. Um, was in a particular place of business and uh, and and had an opportunity to fellowship with some people and 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 one of the people was different. That helped us. That uh, that guided the train, so to speak, to get us where we needed to be and get what we needed to have, that individual was different. Uh, uh, that individual was gay. Uh, I think he was. Uh, because I've also met uh, men who have been around people or women or their mothers or their sisters and may not be gay but take on the mannerisms of the people that they're around. And uh, I've known people like that. But this individual seemed to be gay. Uh, if you know me, you know I've been pretty transparent with most of my life. I can't tell you everything, but I tell you a lot of things. Uh, most of you know that uh, I was a twin. And my twin brother died in 1997 uh, of AIDS. Uh, he, was, he was gay. And so I say that and uh, to say that I have no ill will against a person's lifestyle or what they decide to do for themselves. Uh, I loved my brother unconditionally and, uh, and was the closest thing to me that I ever had in my life was him at that time. And so uh, I, I want to say that one of the individuals that was with us you know, had some real issues with this person being gay. Uh, so much so that he began to reveal his real disdainment and his real displeasure with this individual even interacting with us, even 
being able to guide us to what we where we had to go and what we needed to do, uh, even after he left, to continue to 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 talk down about him, to talk about even family members who would respond differently or more hatefully if they were at the table, you know. And I and I sat there, and I had this mindset uh, not to. Something inside of me was saying, don't say anything yet. This is not the place. This is not the time. And you don't want to use, you don't want to be able to say something from an emotional standpoint. When you do say something, you want to be able to say it where it makes sense. But as I was listening to him talk down about this individual, it just reminded me of how important it is that we accept folk for who they are. And it reminded me of the historical stories that I heard from my grandparents, that I heard from my my parents when they talked about the fact of how they were treated because of their color of their skin. And how, unfortunately, as we move into this era, that those things still exist. That part of us being devalued is because of the color of our skin. And so I grew up in a household that I was always taught 90% of the time to treat people the way I wanted to be treated. Now, when you say that to somebody, when you, when you actually say that you want to treat people the way you want to be treated, then you got to ask yourself, how are you treated? Every day, how do you treat yourself and then how do you treat others? Because if you devalue yourself, there's a good chance that you're going to devalue others. If you value yourself, then there's a great opportunity that you will also value others no matter who they are or what they are. And so after a while, you know, I just kind of blocked it out and, and just started to think about something else. We ended up leaving, uh, got to a place where we could get settled to to begin to work. And then I told my story about my twin brother. And in the process of sharing that story, another individual shared a story about them having a family member that was gay. And I think that what it did was for the individual who was talking so negatively about this gay individual, it at least gave him focus on how maybe it's not a good idea to share your feelings when you don't know what's going on around you. You don't know how many others are others who have people in their lives that might be just like this young man but they value him. They value her. They don't devalue them. They value them. They love them unconditionally. You don't have to agree with somebody's lifestyle to love them. Right? You, a person could, you know, even, even have a job that you might not like. But that don't mean that you can't love them. You know, it, it's when you make a decision that what they do is beyond the realm of whatever that you decide that now you can, it's, you're justified in putting them down. You're justified 
and saying something negative about them. You're justified. And, and I, I tell you what really gets me sometimes is how we do that. And then somehow we kind of throw God and the Bible in the mix. And so later on, you know, uh, the conversation came up about Sodom and Gomorrah. And uh, because he also knows that I'm a, 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 a preacher, a minister. Uh, and so he said, well, Ron, what about Sodom and Gomorrah? Uh, didn't they, didn't God destroy the city because of homosexuality? And my answer to him was no. Uh, he destroyed the city because of the outcry of the people. He destroyed the city because the outcry was so great because of sin. See, so see what happens for us sometimes when we start to categorize sin, we have this group over here that do little sin and this group over here that we categorize as major sin. And, and you can't do that. Sin is just what it is. It's sin. And so I told him that when you go back, if you're going to talk biblical, then one has to know what they're talking about. And, and, and scriptures have been around for over 2,000 years. And so when you talk about the word of God, one has to know the story. It was, it was Abraham, you know, if we're, we're, we're talking here, Abraham uh, uh, saw three men uh, and one of them was the Lord. And, and the Lord had a few different things that he shared with Abraham. He even asked himself, should I tell Abraham what I'm getting ready to do? It's biblical here. Should I tell Abraham? But, and, but, and, and, he, and in his mind, he said, well, you know, he is going to be the father of many nations. I've told him that. So I guess I need to go ahead and share with him what's getting ready to happen. Now, before he did that, he also told them, get prepared. Just, I'm going to come back around here this time next year, and I'm going to give your wife, Sarah, a child. Sarah thought it was funny because they were both old in age. Uh, but God said, no, what's, what's so funny, you know? I'm going to do this thing. And then afterwards, he told him what he was getting ready to do in Sodom and Gomorrah. Abraham pleaded with him and said, what if we find 10 righteous people? He started at 40 or 50, but he ended up, what if we find 10? And the Lord said, if I if find 10, I'll, I'll, I'll save the whole city. Then you go to Genesis uh, 19 and you have the story where Lot, Abraham's brother Lot, who lives there, sees the two men in the courtyard because Lot is working at the gate. He sees the men at the courtyard. He invites them to his house. And when he invites them to his house, they said, no, no, He's, he continues to talk to them and they eventually agree to go to his house. These two men who are angels, you know, Lot kind of knew who they were. And uh, they get to the house. Uh, the Bible says they, they eat bread and, you know, they're, they're fellowshipping. And, and from, from the information that I'm reading, it was Lot, his wife and his two daughters in the house. And then there's a knock on the door. 
uh, the Bible says that there are men young and old that have surrounded the house. All about the house. They tell Lot, we want to see those two men who are in the house. The terminology means we want to have sex with those two men. Lot goes outside where they are, shuts the door behind him and says, hey, you know, I can't do that. But what I can do, I can bring out my two virgin daughters and you all do what you will with them. What's interesting about that is because Lot knew who these men were and knew who they represented, he was willing to sacrifice his two daughters for the sake of the mission, <laughs> for the sake of them being who they were. The men, young and old, said, no, we want those men in the house and don't let us have to deal with you so we can get those men. The Bible then says that the two angels grabbed him, pulled him back in the house and then blinded the men outside the house where they got tired reaching for the door, trying to reach to get in. The two angels then turned to Lot and says, do you have any sons-in-law, sons, uh, who, you got your daughters here, you got your wife here, y'all need to get together because we, we get ready to tear the city down. We get ready to destroy the city. You got to get ready to go. Other Bible even talks about how Lot was not so uh, willing to leave as quickly as he needed to. And the Bible says that the angels grabbed him and his wife, all of them by the hand and said, come on, we, we got to go. We got to go. Obviously, the sons did not go. Sons-in-laws, the sons did not go. It's recorded, at least from what I read in this uh, English Standard Version, that it was just Lot, his wife, and his two daughters. And you know the history of the story. His wife turns around because the, the angels say, don't look back because if you do, you'll turn into a pillar of salt. They look, the, the wife looks back and indeed turns into a pillar of salt. Now, I told you all of that because it all dealt with God's judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah because of sin. Now, what we've done as preachers and teachers and people who read this part of the Bible, we say he did it because they were gay. God does not operate in little sin and big sin. He operates in sin. Now, if we would just kind of go back to Genesis a little back for, to beginning to, to the beginning of Genesis, we would also understand and realize that it was Adam and Eve who neither, the Bible says, were gay, uh, who were not having sex with animals or, you know, I'm talking stuff that we, we got going on currently. Amen. Somebody. Uh, they were two people in the garden and basically all they had to do was just enjoy God's creations. And the Bible says that the serpent showed up and had a conversation 
with Eve about the fruit, about that tree in the midst of the garden that God said, don't touch that tree. If you do, you will surely die. The serpent has the conversation with Eve, convinces Eve that it's going to be okay. You're, you're going to, matter of fact, if you eat it, you're going to have just as much power and understanding as God has. She then convinces Adam to eat the fruit. And what happened, sin entered the earth. Now, what comes along with sin is a whole lot of stuff. Death, destruction, disease, all that stuff come with it. So it'd be kind of hard to start to categorize or putting it under this tent or this organizational chart of how you're going to define sin in a way of destroying a person's uh, 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 image or who they are. Uh, let's go to the story of Noah. When we read the story of Noah, uh, God didn't say, I'm destroying the city. I'm, I'm destroying the world. I'm sorry, I'm destroying the world because of homosexuality. He didn't say, I'm destroying the world because I've got a lot of alcoholics. I got a lot of drug dealers and people on drugs. He didn't say that. He said, the people are crying out. The people are not obeying me. Ultimately, he's going to destroy the world because of sin. And so that's where he starts to get Noah to build the ark. And he tells Noah, your family. And then I want you to get the animals and get them prepared to get on the ark. And then the Bible says the flood eventually came and destroyed every inhabitant that was on that earth. What are you saying? I I'm simply saying that we have to be very careful when you make a decision to start judging Others. Bible is very clear for us not to judge people. We do it every day, day in and day out. We're, we're always judging folk as though we have nothing behind us. All of us have a past. All of us are dealing with a present. All of us are dealing with our mind that allows evil thoughts to come in. Can I tell you the proof? That's why you still have people in prison, you still have people going to jail. There's some folk right now, unfortunately, right now, there could be one, a person right now as I'm speaking that be, could be getting raped, that could be getting murdered. There could be right now as I'm speaking a brother in, in across town or in another state that a drug deal has gone wrong and now he's been shot and killed. Right now as I speak, there should be anything going on and it all happens because of sin. And so once you understand that, one does not then start to categorize and judge people based on what you see. Because we kind of understand how that, that doesn't work. We were seen as less than. We were seen as being savages and nobody. We were being seen as people that we were worse than dogs. That's how we were seen. 
And I'm talking about African-Americans now. I'm talking about Negroes. I'm talking about black folk. What we've had to endure in these great United States of America. So my hope and my prayer is, is that when you make a decision to include the scripture into what's going on in the world, you got to kind of know what you're talking about. You know, I don't do that. I don't really make it a habit to throw scripture or, 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 or the word at people just because I want to make a point to let them know they're wrong. You know, I think there's a right way and a, a right way to approach any situation. And ultimately, and this is how I'm going to end this, because ultimately what we're supposed to do is love folk in spite of. Now, now, now check this out for a minute. If you spent most of your energy loving on somebody, then hating on somebody, or judging on somebody, or categorizing somebody, not only will it make you feel good, can you imagine how it's going to make that other person feel? Because guess what we, we, we learn to do as we grow? We can feel the love. We can feel the joy. And unfortunately, we can feel the pain and we can feel the hate. And I got to be honest with you, when people see me, I want them to feel loved. I want them to feel joy. I want them to feel happy. I want them to feel with, be filled with laughter. And believe it or not, when you do that, more people say good stuff about you. And as a matter of fact, more people want to be around you. God bless you. May heavens continue to smile upon you. Oh, yeah. Peace.